WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint, where power and politics collide and the tough questions get asked and answered. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. This week, Pat McCrory, the longtime mayor of Charlotte, one-term governor, now wants to be a U.S. senator. I'm in. I'm in. I'm going to run for the U.S. Senate. That was his big announcement just a few weeks ago. He faces a crowded field with a Senate split 50-50 Democrats and Republicans lining up for a seat that will be left vacant when Senator Burr retires next year. No one in the field better known than McCrory, which can work for or against him. He spent the last few years hosting a popular radio show on WBT Radio. Joining us today, former governor, former mayor, Pat McCrory, also we should say one time Flashpoint regular panelist as well. Uh, Mayor Pat, Governor Pat, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Uh, great. The beginning of my media career on Flashpoint. I know. And then I, I went on the radio. I, I, we did I like, pretty good, too. I like to think we, we, we launched your media career uh, here on Flashpoint years ago. Um, no doubt to, about it. <laughs> want to get to the race uh, in just a second and, and the campaign and, and all that. But first, I want to get your sort of reaction to some topical things from the news uh, this past week, starting with the gas shortages. Uh, that we saw, and it really wasn't a gas shortage. It was basically a, a supply issue. Uh, I want to post a tweet that you, you posted a couple of days ago. It says, we need a U.S. senator who prioritizes energy security and independence because long lines at the pump and surging gas prices are making it harder for North Carolina families to thrive. Uh, I, I remember last time we went through this in Charlotte, I, I was a, a young reporter at the time. It was 2008. You were the mayor. Uh, a different set of circumstances. That was a hurricane that, that knocked some refineries offline. Um, but honestly speaking, how much can a mayor or in this case, a U.S. senator do about something that, that that's pretty broad and big? Well, first of all, the colonial pipeline infrastructure has been at risk for a long time, and we need to have long term solutions to make it more resilient against any attack on any part of that pipeline, because it not only has an impact on North Carolina, but all the way up to, to the East Coast. So this problem's been around a long time, ever since I was mayor. And I think as governor one time we had a situation too, but one of the reasons I'm running is because the Biden energy policy is basically, for example, getting rid of natural gas. And let me tell your audience, if you have a natural gas heater or natural gas air conditioner or natural gas stove, the long-term plan for the Biden-Harris administration is to get rid of natural gas through fracking, that's how you get it. And to me, that has horrendous ramifications to our affordability, to our quality of energy, and also to, the, to, uh, to just common sense of getting rid of natural gas, which is one of the things that's made America independent from foreign powers and has helped build our economy having natural gas. Uh, also, on your Pat's podcast, you still keep dipping your toe in uh, the media world. Uh, <laughs> we, we, I saw that you posted that, that folks are just getting paid too much in unemployment right now. Um, a lot of that coming from the federal level. They're uh, supplementing what folks are getting. Um, and that's the reason that so many jobs and, and are going un, un, unfilled and so many companies are having trouble filling those jobs. But th there have been studies as recently as one from Yale that have said that's not really a motivating factor in a lot of cases that that people uh, getting paid too much is not what's keeping people out of the job market. What say you? The, the Yale stat study is totally wrong. And I, I proved that as governor in 2013. When I was elected governor in my first six months in office, North Carolina was the fourth highest unemployment rate in the country. 
and yet we had 9.4% unemployment. And, and yet I had all these people saying, I got job openings, but no one's taken them. And North Carolina also had like the sixth highest unemployment compensation in the country, higher than South Carolina, Tennessee, or Virginia. Guess what I did? I lowered our unemployment compensation to what our neighboring states paid. I also made people go out and look for jobs. And within three months, our unemployment rate just dropped. It worked in North Carolina in 2013, and I'm proud to see the South Carolina governor doing the same thing today that I did in 2013 to get people back to work. I met with a person who owns a restaurant, or you talk to people at Carowinds, they cannot fill jobs right now because when you pay people more not to work, guess what they'll do? Most of them won't work. And that's exactly what the federal government's even adding on to the compensation of the state government unemployment. And it's wrong. It's, it's, it's causing a disincentive to work. By the way, when I became governor, we also owed $2.2 billion to the federal government unemployment compensation. And by me making this total unemployment reform, North Carolina now has over a $4 billion surplus. And um, the state's using that surplus. I haven't gotten a letter of thanks from Governor Cooper yet, but I'm proud of that decision in 213. It's funny because I was going to ask you, do you feel like you don't get enough credit for the fiscal footing that this state finds itself in now? I'm proud of what we did. People have forgotten that when I was governor, I inherited a horrible uh, uh, unemployment situation, economic situation. Again, we were the fourth highest unemployment state in the nation. And I promised the Carolina comeback. We cut, we cut income taxes, we cut corporate taxes, and we brought in more revenue because I didn't want people to keep moving to Florida or across the border of South Carolina. And it worked. And I'm very proud that it worked, that the number of jobs we created was absolutely incredible. And that's because I surrounded myself with good people. And I'm proud of those decisions, including the unemployment decision, which I think uh, President Biden is making the totally wrong decision on that. And by the way, at the end of the Trump administration, I think adding federal money was wrong also Let's regarding compensation. Let's talk about the Senate campaign that, that you've launched now, um, because it's going to be a rough and tumble uh, next year or so for you or any of the candidates. Um, no surprise, Democrats, let's show their response uh, when you announce the news. It says North Carolinians <coughs> remember who Pat McCrory is, a failed politician who signed hateful and divisive legislation to the law, hurt our national reputation and damaged our state's economy. Listen, I don't think you are too surprised that Democrats would, would, would say that uh, about you. But then there's the other side. There's another person running for Senate, Mark Walker, tweeting, quote, with taking back the Senate majority, hinging on our success in North Carolina. Why would we gamble on Pat McCrory, a career politician who has lost more statewide races than he's won? McCrory has routinely attacked conservatives, including President Trump. So you can't just blame the Democrats. You now have folks on, on both sides of you attacking you. You might like that positioning. Um, but, but what do you say to somebody who says you've got to be a coalition build, builder in a situation like this and to win the U.S. Senate seat? Well, actually, I feel good about getting attacked from both extremes. I have no problem with that because they're wrong. I was a very successful governor like I was a very successful uh, mayor and city councilman. And frankly, I'm simply the best for this job in the U.S. Senate to represent North Carolina. I'm going to bring someone who actually solved problems in the city of Charlotte with crime, for example. You know, when I became 
mayor of Charlotte, we were averaging over 120 murders a year, 125 murders a year. And guess what I did? I started going after the career criminal. I started dealing with truancy. I put a curfew in. We didn't let the homeless sleep on the street. And the crime rate and the murder rate dropped in Charlotte. And now, sadly, we're reinstituting the same things we used to do in the 90s in, in major urban areas. These liberal policies are bringing back crime and murder. And I'm going to bring the experience to D.C. on how actually to get things accomplished with North Carolina solutions, bringing them to Washington. You know, I called the National Guard. You may have forgotten this, but two weeks before my election, when we were having two nights of rioting in Charlotte by Antifa, I called the National Guard. I had the courage to call the National Guard. It might not have been the political thing to do, but I stopped a riot and gave the authority of the National Guard to then Chief Putney, Kerr Putney, and we stopped the riot in one night. These are the tough decisions that I made, and I have that experience that I can take to D.C., where, you know, in D.C. as the Capitals attacked or Portland or Seattle or Chicago, I actually have done it where most senators and House members do not have that basis of experience of riding with police and knowing police and highway patrol officers and, and community leaders and knowing the pressure of that. Yeah, I, I want to show a graphic we have right now of one of the latest polls by uh, Spry uh, Strategies has you in the lead as far as when it comes to Republican primary, 40% of the vote versus 10.5% for Mark Walker, 4.8% for Ted Budd. The, the only thing here is about 44% of folks are undecided, which is a, a large amount of people at a big gap that, that anyone has to close in that time. Um, we've got Pat McCrory on with us here on this week's Flashpoint. We want to talk to him about a lot more. We're going to do that on the other side of this break. Really Local business owner Craig Ray applied for a government loan to keep his business going. But when his request got stalled, Craig contacted the defenders and asked, where's the money? I know that after you contacted them, things moved pretty fast. Just glad we could help you. If you're asking where's the money and feeling financial pressure, the WCNC Charlotte Defenders are here to help. Email us at thedefenders at WCNC.com. We're there to get you answers to where's the money, only on WCNC Charlotte. Welcome back to Flashpoint. This week, the Republican Party stripped Congresswoman Liz Cheney of her leadership position, all because she continued to say that last year's election was not stolen and President uh, Trump incited a riot at the Capitol to try and stop the election results from being certified. The vote to remove her done behind closed doors with a voice vote, no recorded tallies. After the vote, Cheney pledged her commitment to conservatism and, and vowed to do everything she could prevent President Trump from getting near the Oval Office again. Joining us today, Pat McCrory, running for uh, U.S. Senator, um, once uh, mayor of Charlotte for, for multiple terms, also uh, governor of North Carolina as well. It, is the GOP a big tent party or not? Oh, absolutely. But after every presidential election where the president loses, there's internal warfare. And this happened when Hillary Clinton lost. God, just remember just a few years ago, Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, they were fighting each other, and it, it takes about a year to get through those internal struggles. But there's one group that's going to unite us, and that's Biden, Harris, Schumer, and Pelosi and their policies. And their policies have gone to the radical left. I don't know what's happened to the moderate Democrat. They seem to have disappeared in Washington, D.C., and frankly, even here in the state of North Carolina and in Charlotte. But the moderate Democrat has been pushed out of the party, and um, 
There, well, That's there, what's going to unite us. There with, are people yelling at the TV screen right now and saying, wait a second, what happened to the modern Republican Party? It's, it's gone crazy as well. So as you say that about Democrats, there are just as many people saying the same thing about the modern Republican Party. And someone like a Liz Cheney, who by all means is as conservative as they come by most standards, um, there's think tanks out there who, who've graded her as being as such. Um, if she can't be in party leadership, then, then who can? I mean, you talked about Democrats a few years ago. They weren't looking to bounce out AOC because she didn't like Biden either. And now Liz Cheney's getting banished. Oh, they were looking to bounce out AOC. There was internal warfare in a lot of areas within the Democratic Party. And listen, I'm I'm not getting involved in the soap operas. I'm getting involved in, I'm talking about issues. I'm talking about immigration, which I've had to deal with as a governor and a mayor, which is impacting our state, by the way. The illegal immigration by the cartels coming across in Arizona, New Mexico, California, Texas, are coming to North Carolina. We had a Monroe teacher that was killed in with working with the Mexican cartels. Those are the issues that are along I-85, I-40, I-77. We have cartel activity right now and it's growing. Those are the issues that I'm interested in, not internal squabbles that are meaningless when it comes to policy issues that this nation has to deal with. And that's what I did as a mayor, governor, and city councilman is deal with the policy issues at hand that, um, are going to be important for the next generation, not just the next election. Sure, no, and, that, and that's why we led this discussion with those some of those policy issues. Um, what what kind of not just Republican, but but what kind of uh, lawmaker would you see yourself being on on Capitol Hill? I mean. Uh, Time and time again here on Flashpoint, we talk about whether you want to be a conservative or you want to be a, a, a you know, a liberal. Everybody should want, everybody, taxpayers should want effective governance more than anything. <laughs> whether you like it or not, at least make it effective because we are paying for it. Um, at the same time, in, in a lot of cases, you know, whether you put your, you, you in this Senate seat or somebody else, 95% of Republicans will always vote Republicans and 95% of Democrats will always vote for Democrats. And then on occasion, you have somebody like a Joe Manchin who really speaks up against his party and is not always popular or a Susan Collins or a Lisa Murkowski um, who actually goes against the other people in their party and does it, does it proudly and doesn't mind that they, they get flack for it. Could Pat McCrory be somebody like that who does sort of his own thing and, and has a certain maverick status? I, you know, I go issue by issue. I don't fall into a broad category. I look at public safety, I look at immigration, I look at energy, I look at education. All these issues fall into so many different complex areas. Healthcare is another. I, I take issue at a time and try to find long-term solutions to issues, just like I did as governor when I, I changed the whole formula on transportation, just like I did with light rail in the city of Charlotte which has been quite successful along the South Line and up the UNCC. I try to come up with long-term vision and plans. You know, I, I look at people like Rick Scott, former governor that I served with, now U.S. Senator. He's a problem solver. I like solving problems. And that's the only reason I'm going to D.C. to try to bring some of the problem-solving techniques that I use as a city council, mayor, governor, and a business person up to D.C. And if I can get coalitions between Democrats, Republicans, independents, fine, but I'm going to bring up the solutions that I think are best for the next generation and that are long-term, not, not just putting out short-term fires like I think some of the 
legislations going on now where we're borrowing money for operating costs. That's a total financial fiscal disaster, which is going on right now. Bringing on this debt to pay operating costs, for example, the infrastructure bill is not an infrastructure bill. 80% of that is for operating funds for things that have nothing to do with infrastructure. I know infrastructure probably as much or better than any U.S. Senator, and I think a lot better than our current president and vice president, because I've actually built infrastructure. I know how to, it's paid for, I know it's how constructed, and I know how to bring about a long-term vision. And um, I did that as governor, connecting North Carolina, East, West, Southwest, and, and connecting Charlotte with various different types of uh, transportation. So I've done it, I've been there, and that's why I'm running for this seat and why I think I am uh, simply the best person for this seat. Final, final question real quick. Um, th this past week, we got good news from the CDC saying folks can now stop wearing masks. It, it really does just feel like this week is almost like, hey, we are almost back to normal. I mean, it, it was a long time coming for everybody involved, and I know you agree. What do we do? To yeah, make why, sure why aren't we doing that right today? Why, what, what, why what, what, what do we do to make sure we don't this does not happen again? And, and that we go back to our previous conversation that government response is better in a situation like this. Well, it was a combination of government. You know, first of all, you got to give uh, Operation Warp Speed a lot of credit where both research and then private sector brought in a medicine that I've taken. That's it's a miracle that we've done this. It's an absolutely miracle. And the implementation was good. There was some very inconsistent policy that wrecked some businesses that that I, I question. You know, why we opened breweries but closed bars and we called it science from Governor Cooper's office, science that you open, close bars and open breweries. Where in the heck is the science there? Now that had to do with politics, where you make high school kids wear masks playing basketball games, but you don't require the Hornets or the college basketball players to wear it. There's no science there. So a little inconsistency in the application, which which costs a lot of people their jobs. But overall, man, we got to get through this. And now that CDC has made their announcement, I hope the state moves a little quicker, <laughs> like immediately and, and starts applying the rules of the CDC. All right, a one-time Flashpoint regular panelist making a triumphant return, this time as a U.S. Senate candidate. Uh, Pat McCrory, Pat, thank you, don't be a stranger. I uh, call anytime. Thank you very much. Right. Good to be here in Charlotte. Take care. More Flashpoint after this. Thank you for making WCNC.com your number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home. And trusting us on Facebook by giving WCNC Charlotte more followers than any other local TV news source. Thanks again for making us number one. Download the WCNC Charlotte News app and find out why WCNC.com is the number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home. The number one local choice for TV news is WCNC.com. Download the WCNC News app today. Experience the difference. Thank you for making WCNC.com your number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home and on Facebook by giving WCNC Charlotte more followers than any other local TV news source. Thank you for making WCNC.com your number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home. 
Welcome back to Flashpoint. This week's Charlotte City Council will take more straw votes on the Charlotte 2040 plan. After that, a second and new draft will be released this coming Wednesday. As we've told you, the plan is a roadmap that will affect how Charlotte will be built and grow over the next several decades. This past week, council took straw votes on more than 50 of the modifications they wanted the city staff to revisit. We're talking modifications to single family zoning, 10 minute neighborhoods, just to name a few. The votes don't mean changes will be made, but instead it's just asking for staff to see if they're possible. We really need to figure out what this American dream is for the people that live here today, because this is a city made up not of the same people that we had before. When I came to Charlotte, everybody on the city council was a white man that went to the same church in the same zip code. Now we're not that today. We have to recognize the diversity in this city, the diversity of opportunity. City Council also wants to have a study done on the economic impact of all these ideas and how it would impact our city. Once the new draft is released on Wednesday, there'll be weeks of public input with the final vote expected at the end of June. We'll keep you posted right here on Flashpoint. Well, a year ago, many people lost their jobs due to the pandemic, but now that things are starting to open back up again, there's still a lot of businesses that, that can't find workers. Local businesses have told us they're having a tough time finding willing workers. Many people claiming that's because people can make more because of that enhanced unemployment benefit, something that we just talked about with Pat McCrory. So is it true? WCNC Charlotte's Megan Bragg verifies. Many of you have been writing in saying the beefed up unemployment benefits are causing a worker shortage. Charlotte restaurant owners like Charles Reed from Queen City Craft and Gourmet says he's having a hard time hiring, even though he's bumping up salaries because he can't compete with unemployment. You've got some people that are just plain making more money sitting at home. And instead of incentivizing them to come back to work, we're incentivizing them to stay home. Of course, that would depend on the size of the paycheck. So let's take minimum wage as our benchmark. The question, are people making more in unemployment benefits than they would working a minimum wage job? Let's verify. Our sources, the U.S. Department of Labor, the North Carolina Department of Commerce, and international business professor Harry Bowen at Queens University. According to the Labor Department, the North Carolina minimum wage is $7.25 an hour. So if you work eight hours a day, five days a week, you'll take home $290 before taxes. Now let's take a look at unemployment benefits. The state gives a prorated amount depending on your wages from your last job. The maximum a person can get is $350 a week. But through the American Rescue Plan, the federal government is providing $300 on top of what people receive from the state. Carrie McCumber from the North Carolina Department of Commerce sent us this email saying the current average unemployment payment, including the federal benefits, is about $495 a week. Lower wage workers are likely to see that the top up in unemployment benefits, particularly the federal contribution, um, is going to have an effect on their decision because it's a larger portion of their monthly income. So we can verify that, yes, people are making more money in unemployment benefits than they would earning minimum wage. Experts say unemployment benefits are likely one reason people are not going back to work. But of course, there are always other factors as well. For your Verify, I'm Megan Bragg. More Flashpoint after this. 
Tornadoes, the tropical storm, severe weather is extreme weather, and we're here to keep you safe and to help you navigate your day. The First Warn team is there for you, no matter the conditions and the location. We're in your hand with the WCNC weather app, and we'll always be there on WCNC Charlotte. So wake up, plan your day and your life. The First Warn storm team will be there for you. Welcome back. Come interact with me on Twitter and Facebook. If there's something you want us to talk about on Flashpoint, let us know. By the way, little uh, housekeeping here. We will not have a show over the next two weeks. But remi reminder, like you can always have us anywhere you go because we have our podcast that you can listen to right on your phone. How about that? Have a great week, everybody.